Uh, hey, it's good to be with you guys. My name is Johnny. I get to be on staff around here. Uh, hey, June 4th, so that is next Sunday, uh, we have our summer kickoff. Okay, so what's happening is normal church. First, sec- first service, second service, we're still walking through Acts, uh, and we are going to gather together afterwards, celebrate, have a barbecue, play some silly games, maybe win a rock, paper, scissors competition for a sweet little prize. My dad is uh, one of the previous winners, so please take him down. Uh, but it is just going to be awesome. This is such a good opportunity to, to invite your neighbors, coworkers, friends, uh, uh, just into a time of relationship where, where our community gets to come together uh, and, and enjoy. And if you are a college or young adult, uh, over this summer, we are going to do a, a three-session hangout called Next Level. So if you guys are more curious about that, come and hit me up. You guys ready to do this thing? I need some water. All right, we're in Acts. Do you guys know I played baseball? All right, this is just a wiffle bat. So if I swing it really fast, I don't have good swing speed. Uh, hey, do you guys know I coached varsity baseball? I went to Biola University. Go Eagles. <laughs> All five of us, there we go. Uh, but when I was at Biola, I was coaching varsity baseball at Whittier Christian. And one of the most important pieces in baseball, hitting. And by the time you're a varsity baseball player, you're usually a pretty good hitter, but you can tell what hitters have really healthy foundations to their swing, right? They've got a good load. They keep their hands inside the baseball. But one of my favorite parts about coaching was over the summer, have you guys ever heard of FCA baseball? Uh, They do little camps for like five-year-olds up through 12-year-olds. And so I would get to go run these camps And this would be the swing of the majority of the kids because all they wanted to do was hit home runs. They would be loading up, and they would do something like, and let me assure you, when there's a real pitcher on the mound, you're never going to hit the ball if that's the case. So none of them, though they wanted to hit home runs, be the best hitter in baseball, they're all watching Mike Trout and Albert Pujols and Shohei. But if you don't have healthy foundations, you're never going to be a good hitter. And today, we're talking about what made the church unstoppable. And we believe that the early church actually had some really key pillars that allowed them to be focused on Jesus. So here's our big idea today is that this early church in Acts, we've seen these first two chapters, their devotion to Jesus It led them to be unstoppable in moving the kingdom of God forward. But the unstoppable nature, it's really rooted in four key pillars that we're going to unpack today. And these pillars kept them centered on the glory of Jesus, and it kept them passionate about loving one another as God called us to. So here's the text, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Uh, Let's read it together. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I'm just incredibly thankful for, for a church, uh, this early church that was devoted to you uh, and, and out of that unstoppable nature by being connected to these four pillars, Lord. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of believers have come to know you. And God, our, our prayer this morning is that you would keep RCC, each one of us, rooted in these four pillars. Allow RCC to be a safe place for people to come to know you. Would the center of our passion, our head, our heart be focused on you and your glory, and out of that would there just be a contagious love among the people here. So God, keep us humble, keep us hungry for you, and our simple prayer is we desire to know you more. Amen. All right, pillar number one, they were devoted to knowing God. You see this in this first piece. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Here's the foundation of who they are. They're hungry for Jesus. They're so hungry for Jesus. Think about their situation and what they've just seen, what they've just heard, what they've potentially experienced. Uh, what are the, some of the things in which they've seen, heard, and experienced? Let's start with last week. Pentecost. They just saw the Spirit of God come with tongues of fire. They saw people speak languages. They saw or felt the rushing wind. What else have they seen and heard? I'm a youth pastor. I really like this uh, interactive dialogue. So sorry if, you have, if your coffee hasn't kicked in yet. Yeah. They, they saw or heard about the crucifixion of Jesus. And then I think most of them actually saw the risen Jesus. Potentially touched his hands and his feet. Potentially had some pretty cool conversations over these 40 days before Jesus ascended. But this group of now 3,120, and, and probably not all of them are still hanging around. They probably went back home, some of them. But you've got these people who have seen and experienced, and they're hungry for more of Jesus. It's the foundation of who they are. And this is their primary commitment, above all else, is they were committed to thinking about Jesus, which led them to they couldn't get enough of the apostles' teaching. So you've got this 10, 11, uh, now at this point, apostles who, who are teaching all that they received from Jesus. And I think these, these disciples, these new believers, they couldn't get enough. It's why they're hanging out in people's homes. It's why they have all their belongings together. They couldn't get enough of this Jesus, and they committed above all else's, we want to know him. Absolutely the foundation of 
the unstoppable church is knowing Jesus. And for us, to desire a deeper understanding is our foundation. Guys, this is the one description if anyone asked, hey, what's RCC like? This is the phrase in which I would hope people use, is they are hungry to know Jesus. They absolutely can't get enough. Week in and week out, they're walking through the text. They're singing about Jesus. Their groups are processing who Jesus is. Their individuals are filled up and passionate about who Jesus is. They're sharing them at work. They're sharing them in the homes. We are hungry. And the reality is, you will never, not until the day we see him and get to be with him, fully grasp who he is. Which for us, if we're joy chasers, and there's more joy in knowing Jesus better, our hunger is the thing that leads our entire life. It leads our church. And I hope that it leads us as individuals. And so for us, for them, how cool was it? They, they got to potentially see and meet the risen Jesus. They got to hang one-on-one with the apostles. That is a benefit. That is something pretty cool that we don't get. But we also have something that they don't have. They had the Old Testament and they had their experience with Jesus, but we've got everything that God intended for us to know about him. We have this full picture of Jesus in his glory that we get to be hungry for. And that's why we're so passionate about what we call being a first-hander around here. What we do on Sundays, we want to give a healthy picture, but we also want to train and equip to how we find these ideas in the text so that we could all together be committed to understanding Jesus more deeply. So we're hungry. And my conviction is if you taste and see of the mercy and the love and the grace in which Jesus lavishes upon us, I don't know of a, of a heart that wouldn't want more of it. I think that's what all of our hearts are hungry for is we want to be seen by God, we want to be known, and we want to be loved by God. And that's going to happen through Jesus himself. And we're committed to learning about Jesus. This, this is pillar number one, but, but this is really the cornerstone, right? All the other pillars, they don't really exist if pillar number one isn't, we got to know God. We have to know him rightly. So we're committed to knowing him because this has eternal ramifications. Beginning now, getting this one right Getting who Jesus is, right? There's a lot of ideas about who Jesus is. And so for us, it's why we're devoted to this book. If we believe that God wrote this and inspired this, we want the accurate picture of who Jesus is. Because getting this right, it's like Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the single most important thing about us. Not 
Not that God comes into your mind is the most important thing about you. It's important. But what comes into your mind when you think about God? That's the most important thing about you. It's important to think about God, but if you get them wrong, that has, that has ramifications. And so for us, what we want to be devoted to overall is knowing God rightly. So the early church, they devote themselves. Apostles, what do you have to give us about Jesus today? And for us, not Todd, Stephen, Brian, Johnny, Keith, whoever's preaching, not give us Jesus, it's we already have Jesus through scripture. Help us see him as we do this together. So this is pillar number one, but it's really our cornerstone. And this is the second pillar, is they were devoted to meeting each other's needs. That's what it says in the text. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. You see in verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I've heard a lot of people say we should go back to this method. That, that would be pretty wild. Uh, as a youth pastor, maybe I would appreciate pooling our resources sometimes. <laughs> but, but this isn't prescriptive of, of what the church is calling uh, this early church to be. Luke isn't saying every single church should do this. This is a description of what their principle is. Is they're committed to meeting one another's needs. And so what's at the heart of this is unity. If you guys look in any New Testament book, all the epistles, one of the primary ideas is always unity. And this is what it's rooted in. We want to meet each other's needs because our love for Jesus unites us. And this was at the core of who they were. They were hungry to know him. Once they got a taste, they couldn't get enough. And then they looked around and they said, you too? You love him too? You're connected to Jesus? Let's move this thing forward. But here's the reality. There's just no way that they agreed on absolutely everything. I'm sure they had political issues in their day. I'm sure they differed on what the church should be specifically doing. Maybe some of them didn't like the idea of pooling their resources together. I'm sure they didn't agree on absolutely everything. But here's what I know, is that they had one simple motivation. Pillar number one. Above all else, what we are committed to, the early church says, is we want everyone to know Jesus. And so our unity is the thing that drives us, and I think they probably heard this from Jesus, or via the apostles from Jesus in John 13, where he says, this is how you're going to know. This is how the world will know if you are my, my disciples as if you love one another. And so when you know Jesus, when you experience his love, I think the goal is that that love would flow into the lives of the people around you. And I think when we read this text, I, I think we immediately jump to 
financial. I think we immediately jump to they're feeding one another. And those are important, but here is what they were most devoted to above all else, is each other's spiritual needs. It's what actually is the foundation to helping one another physically, emotionally, financially, is I just want you to see Jesus. And so they're devoted to each other's spiritual needs. And that unity in that idea of one common priority led them to this kind of paradigm shift. And it's a new lens. These people haven't lived with this lens before, and so it's new. But the lens now is, I'm viewing absolutely everything, including the way in which we're doing church, through this lens is, we're moving the kingdom of Jesus forward. And I think that's such a healthy lens to have. And it led them to use their resources for the good of the body. And so what they did in that time was they would pool their resources. So whatever you had, and people were going out of their way to sell possessions that they once had, sell valuable things that they once had to give to the body so that no one would be lacking. Why? So that they could focus on Jesus. It was always their hope. Whoever comes in, whoever's already here, we want you to be able to focus on Jesus above all else. So if other things are getting in the way, we're going to help you so that you could know him, so that you could see him, so that you could taste and see of the love in which I've received from him. It's always their goal, always their focus. And so for us, man, our love for him ought to be the thing that unites us. I look around this room, we're pretty different. How many of you guys loathe baseball? Like would just never watch it in your free time? There we go, be bold, be bold. You're wrong, but be bold. (laughs) Maybe I should have said, how many of you guys uh, go and watch golf on TV? Because I think Todd's probably the only one who goes and watch golf on TV, right? But but guys, we we got serious things in which we're talking about too that we don't agree on. We've, We've got politics. We've got, how, how should we have handled COVID? We've got, what do you do with, with kids in school now? We got big ideas and, and, and we're differing on some of our opinions. Should Todd preach in shorts or pants? Yeah, we're all united on that one. <laughs> right, but but we, got, we got issues in which we don't even see eye to eye on. But like the early church, I think we have one simple motivator. And that's knowing Jesus together. And as we are committed to being hungry for more of our Savior, we think when people are welcomed in, they see diversity in some ways, but overarching, they see unity. They see a body that says, I don't care if we disagree about politics, about what to do with our kids about if baseball's great. Those things are so low in comparison to knowing Jesus that people would see these people have one simple motivation, knowing Jesus themselves and then helping the people around them know him. And so we're the same in that way. And for us, we're we're devoted to each other's spiritual needs. I think this is really important. 
It's a lens in which I think is really difficult to always have at the forefront of your mind. It's easier to just go to work sometimes. It's easier to just go home and pop on a TV show. It's easier to watch baseball than soccer for me. But in absolutely everything, and this takes a lot of effort, a lot of thinking, do we have this lens among ourselves? And not just RCC's vision and philosophy, I'm talking individually, you, me, together. Do we have moving Jesus' kingdom forward as the primary lens for our life? I think it changes the way in which you see one another. I think it changes the way in which we respond to someone who disagrees about something relatively serious. And I think it leads us to love one another deeply. So we're devoted. And like the early church, maybe in a different way, we use our resources for the good of the body. The phrase we use is, because as a body, we, we ask that each and every one of us, whether that's corporately, in a group setting around here, volunteering in your own worlds, use your time, your treasure, right, your money, and your talent, that which God has gifted you with. Some of you guys are incredible hosts. I leave so many details off of hosting where I'm like, they didn't need cookies, and so like, I just opened up my home. I thought that was good. And some of you guys are like, my mom is so great at this. She'll go out of her way. She's like, okay, we need water here. We need ice at this station. We need to put games here. We need, we need some soda over here for the, uh, man, she is so good at hosting. But, but use your gifts. If you have financial resources, we use that. One of the things we have around here is called the Benevolence Fund. And for those who are hurting physically, financially, Emotionally, we, we have resources that we actually pull together so that these people would experience God's love tangibly for the sake of their spiritual health. And so if that's you, if you know someone, please, we, we absolutely love helping. But beyond these walls, we're committed to furthering the kingdom of Jesus by using our time, our treasure, and our talent. And spiritual health is always the priority. Pillar number one, all of these flow from it, so keep going back. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to have a deeper understanding. I want you to taste and see of what I've tasted and seen of the goodness of God and how incredible he's been in my life. That's what I want. Pillar number three, is they were devoted to life-transforming relationships. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, right? You see that day by day and together. Day by day, together. Here's the reality. They just loved being together. A collective body with one goal of knowing and pursuing Jesus, they just couldn't get enough of Jesus and they couldn't get enough of being together 
Because God has designed us to be encouraged and transformed in relationships. And so they had, they had just some basic ways. They learned together. The apostles teaching, the temple, whatever it was, they couldn't get enough of learning about Jesus together. They ate together. That's just in their culture especially, but ours too. Food's one of the greatest ways to hang out. You get to share a meal together, you get to share life together. They encouraged each other and they prayed for one another. But the reality is they absolutely just loved being together. And I think that's got to be the same for us. Is my hope is we just love being together. I think it's easy to come and go from a church service Sunday morning nowadays. But what happens outside these walls and during this service are just so important. And, and I think of, uh, I have a ton of life-transforming relationships that I have around here, um, both young and distinguished. Uh, and man, is that the right word? Is that, is that a more respectful word? <laughs> Wise, mature. Uh, and and one, one relationship that I've had for, man, pretty much since I, since I came on staff ha, has been one that I just would never expect as a young man. Uh, uh, a man who's 55 years older than me. Uh, if you guys know Chuck Wilson, uh, he, he's been treating me to breakfast, minus some during COVID, every Wednesday for the last four or five years. And we just get to hang together. And he's getting older. The thoughts maybe aren't as cohesive. But one thing that Chuck never forgets is scripture or hymns. And so this last Wednesday, he hops in my car, I'm driving him home, and we just sing the old rugged cross together. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is so great. This is what the church is designed for. Young knuckleheads to be encouraged by old knuckleheads. <laughs> it's what we're here for. We need people to encourage us, to support us. And I think his primary goal has always been, Johnny, I just want you to know Jesus. Out of his experience of being transformed by the gospel, He's like, Johnny, there's, there's just something here that I, it's hard to explain sometimes. I just want you to know it. And so what does it lead him to do? Use his time, his treasure, his talents on me. And that's the hope of the church. And that gives me inspiration to invest in some of these younger knuckleheads. And the journey just hopefully continues. But this is it. Life transforming relationships that are focused on knowing God and these relationships are great to meet each other's needs. It's what allows the church to move forward. We're just not intended to do life alone. We're not intended to do faith alone. We need people who are further along in the process and people who are not as far along in the process need you. And that's the opportunities that we get to have around here. And for us, it looks like this, Sunday mornings. These are so great. I absolutely love gathering together and hearing about Jesus. Sometimes you get a more, some more head slaps, belly slaps, whatever Todd is doing, leaping around. Sometimes you get more of that than you're expecting. But 
what you get is passion for Jesus and love for one another. So I love Sunday mornings. One of the greatest expressions, this really is for us, intended to be the heartbeat of RCC as life groups. Take this picture of what you've received on Sunday morning and some point during the week. Go and process together the glory of God that you've seen in Scripture and how your life can continue to be changed by Jesus. And then we have opportunities like June 4th. They're all intended to allow people to have more connection opportunity for life-transforming relationships. I don't know everyone in this room. I'm sure some of us would really get along. I might be too extroverted for some of you, but I think some of you guys would absolutely love this and we would be able to encourage one another. These are great opportunities to meet one another and invite other people in. And this last one, they were devoted to communing with God and seeking his power. And they devoted themselves to the prayers. Now, the prayers, I, I, just think, I wish he would have just said prayer. Leave it, leave it a little bit more general. I, I think in their context, I think some of the prayers, they probably had some, some prayers that were written down that they would, they would recite together. Uh, but for us, th- this, this really is it. A personal relationship with Jesus, it just is the foundation of joy. And so when your prayer life, it's just centered around that. You just think about all that God has done. One of my favorite questions that often leads me into a deeper prayer life is, God, if you had not intervened as deeply in my life, where would I be? What would my head be like? What would my heart be like? Where would my desires go? What would my family be like? And I think once you start to ask these questions, you become even more sensitive to how intentional God is in absolutely every area and season of your life. And it just serves as the, as the foundation of our joy. And the primary thing in which they prayed for flowed from number one all the way through. And it's, God, I just, I want a deeper faith. I just want to know you more. I want to experience you more. I want to be overwhelmed and in awe of who you are more. Let me assure you, God really is delighted to answer that prayer. Someone who's craving his glory, yes, God absolutely loves those kinds of people. And out of this deep understanding and experience of faith, they prayed for boldness. To say, I've already tasted and seen of a little bit of this. I just want to share it more. And to no surprise, it's absolutely the same for us. The foundation of our joy is in knowing Jesus himself. And let's pray as a church. We're going to end today praying together. And that's just going to be... uh, the foundation of our hope, you know, one of the phrases I use in, in students uh, is, is why do we pray? Uh, because we want God to move. Because if God doesn't move, nothing good happens. So that's why we pray is we want him to move. Because we understand if God ain't moving, there is absolutely nothing good happening in our life. But when God's moving, 
the kingdom of Jesus is moving forward in our head and our heart, and we believe out of that it will flow into the people around us. I was thinking this week of, of, we've got four pillars. It doesn't seem super complicated, but I think there are great challenges that are facing our culture right now of how we are being pulled away from trusting in these four pillars. And so it starts with the cornerstone. It's because we're just devoted to knowing God, but I think the challenge is getting to know the truth about God, guys, it's just not the priority. And, and not just in culture, we, that's pretty obvious, but in churches. I was with my life group on Thursday, and this is, this is one of the local churches around here. Um, this is just on the side of the building for, for everyone to see. You've got the cross right next to it. Inclusive, progressive, Christian, affirming. Now, this, this is just one isolated idea and expression uh, of the church. Because we've got churches all over the place not focusing on Jesus above all else. And, and it can be minute. Sometimes the church is, hey, let's just be better husbands. And we're going to talk about that on Sunday mornings. Is that good? Absolutely. But guess where it flows from? Knowing Jesus. It's why we start here and we hope everything trickles down into it. The second pillar, we're devoted to meeting one another's needs. Now, this is a challenging one. You guys know this text that Jesus says? It's more blessed to give than to receive. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. I think the challenge is church culture. And I think we can even fall into this sometimes. Is It's just easier to come and receive and then go. Some people call it consumer church. Some people call it a, a transactional church. But this is way too easy these days. Now you don't even have to go to church. You got YouTube, you got church's websites. You're like, I'll just listen to one. But if we're not devoted to one another, I think we're doing this journey more isolated than God intended us to do it. So I actually think the challenge is, whether we say it or not, it can feel like it's actually more blessed to receive than to give. And that's not our hope. It's definitely blessed to do both. But Jesus says, man, giving is unlike anything else. And we're devoted to life-transforming relationships. You guys have crazy schedules. Some of the schedules of these parents with students, I, I don't even know how you guys are still functioning. Uh, but you guys are busy. We got a lot of commitments. We got a lot of distractions. We have more opportunities to be distracted, I think, than the early church. And I'm afraid the primary thing that gets sacrificed day in and day out, week in and week out, which rolls into a year, is relationships. It takes effort. If you're an introvert, it takes a lot of effort. Sometimes you get tired by it. Sometimes it's not always fulfilling right in the moment. But guys, if, if this is the pillars of the early church, one of the primary things in our life has to be our own relationship with Jesus and other people. For our own sake and for theirs. And I think 
I think we're starting to see the church just kind of, eh, relationships are fine. They'll be fine. He'll be fine. We're good. If I hung out with them last month, a life group, ah, what do I need them for? I can read the Bible by myself all day. You can, but I'm convinced it's not going to move you forward like the way God has intended that we're seeing through the early church. And then lastly, we're devoted to praying, but, but I think sometimes the, the challenge, and I think a lot of people have modeled this, uh, is the primary thing in which we pray for is not the movement of Jesus' kingdom. The primary thing in which we pray for is our own comfort. It's just not something you're going to see in Acts moving forward. The primary thing they're going to pray for is, God, th- these people, I know what the potential is if I keep doing this. I just want to be more bold. I just want to be more bold in sharing. But that doesn't mean there's no discernment in how you share. That doesn't mean you yell at people. It doesn't mean you overshare. It doesn't mean you don't let them talk. But we're devoted above all else to seeking God's power in our own lives and in the lives around us. And here's the coolest part. What was the outcome of this church when they were devoted to these four pillars? You guys remember in the text? They were praising God. And they were having favor with all the people because of their love for him and their love for one another. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Guys, we live in a culture where every church just wants more people. Do we? Yes. But because of what our pillars are, we don't just want more people. What do we really want? We want more people to treasure Jesus. We want more people, yes, because if there aren't more people, they can't know Jesus. So we want more people to come in here, but we, what we really want them is, we want more people to know God. We want more people to experience the depth of joy and the depth of God's love and grace in our life because there is nothing that surpasses that. And so is it our hope that we become this kind of church? And I think we're doing a good job. I love this church. If you guys haven't watched other churches, researched other churches, guys, we're doing a great job. I absolutely love this place. I haven't seen a church as committed to the glory of God through Scripture as this one. And I love it. Our hope is that it's not just RCC's philosophy, but it's you, it's me, who are devoted to these four pillars, and it makes up a community that I think the Spirit would be pleased to move through. That's the kind of church, that's the kind of people we ought to desire to be is if God looked at you, I would want him to say I'd be absolutely pleased to fill you with faith and to use you for my kingdom. And I think when you're devoted to these four pillars, those are the kind of people and these are the kinds of churches in which God will be honored to move through. So corporately, we're going to do a couple things together. Uh, we're we're going to take communion. Uh, we're just going to be absolutely united. This is what RCC is committed to. This is what I'm committed to is together we are united in knowing Jesus. And then we're going to end with prayer. 
asking that God would boldly move in and through RCC to be a kind of church that moves the kingdom forward. Uh, so, so as the band is, is playing, they're, they're just going to play a song. You guys can take this, go back to your elements, uh, and then I'll come up after the song and, and we'll, we'll lead it and take it together. Oh 
guys just stand with me as we take this uh, symbol that we're going to stand together uh, on this cornerstone pillar of knowing Jesus. So as we remember, like the early church, they broke bread in their homes, and I think one of the things that they consistently did was they would remember what Jesus has done for them. And may that serve as the foundation of your own salvation and for the salvation of our church for the mission of our church. So together in unity with the spiritual health of our body and the spiritual health of all the people whom we know, we take this in remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And I love these lyrics. Oh, what a savior. Who else can do what Jesus has done? You guys remember how the book of Acts started? I wrote what he began to do. Guys, from Acts then is all that Jesus has just continued to do. And it's the risen Savior, the risen King, who continues to move his church forward. And it's the churches that are most devoted, that are most sold out for his kingdom, that I believe his spirit continues to move powerfully within and through. So to the risen Savior who is our foundation now and forevermore, we remember you.
might have seen this in this first week of Acts. It's this prayer for RCC to be an unstoppable church for Jesus' kingdom. We pray because we want God to move because if God doesn't move, there we go. It's better than my students. Nice. And nothing good is going to happen. And we want good things to happen in and through this church. So we're just going to read this together. Our Lord Jesus... We call upon your name. You have given us your spirit and you have sent us into the world to be your people. We believe that all spiritual life and growth begins with you, with the outpouring of your spirit. So we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would overflow in our hearts so that your love would spill out generously to all those around us. Embolden us to proclaim you crucified, risen, and exalted, the only hope of humanity. Instill in us that gentle tenacity to use every day, every talent, and every opportunity to live and love like you did. Let no legalism or prejudice prevent us from sharing your love. Prepare us for the opposition that will find us as we follow you and give us grace to persevere. And fill us up every day to the end of our days to go everywhere you send us with joy unstoppable. Amen. Let God move in that way and we would be pleased. Hey, have an awesome week, guys. We will see you next Sunday. Normal church. And then we have the party afterwards at sec after second service, 1130. Awesome. Have a great week, guys.